There's no way off that ship. You're surrounded. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game On Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This is episode 132, recorded on October 1st, 2014. And our guest today is actor Jim McKenney, who appears in the upcoming film, The Devil's Hand. And we'll wrap about what we've been watching, reading, and playing this week. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening to Game On Girl. Jim McKenney moved to L.A. to attend the Theater Academy at LACC when he was 19. He was a member of many critically acclaimed theater groups, including The Company of Angels, started by well-known actors such as Richard Chamberlain, Victor French, and Vic Morrow, the DeLacy Street Theater, where he worked with Jim Reynolds, Days of Our Lives, and Katie Seagal, Sons of Anarchy, and Sal Romero's Friends and Artists Theater Ensemble, where he worked with Ken Haynes of Rizzoli and Isles. He studied with Harvey Lembeck's improv workshops, where Robin Williams, Brian Cranston, John Larroquette, and a host of other notables studied. Upon relocating to North Carolina, Jim joined a thriving arts community in the Piedmont and a booming film industry in Wilmington. Jim, we are so excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Regina. I I have to say that this is a secret bucket list of mine (laughs) having been realized ever since Rhonda started this and said was saying to me well I'm going to go do my podcast now with Regina (laughs) I was going I'm going to be interviewing so and so and so and so I was going oh how can I get on this show (laughs) well I'm glad we've made that a reality (laughs) as if nepotism is not alive and well with us Uh, we've had our fair share of, uh, you know, I've plugged friends who are authors and, you know, games that people we know were making. So, you know. I made good company. Yes. Yeah. Now, the business term is networking. Yes. Networking. Oh, that's right. Yes. We're yes. networking. Thank you. Exactly. Yes. So I did want to make full disclosure up front because uh, we, we sure as heck don't want another game on girl gate hashtag thingy going on about (laughs) journalism integrity or anything. Uh, Jim and I have been friends for uh, over 13 years, and I am a big fan of Jim's work. Um, Most of what I've seen is his um, stage productions and directing and writing, but uh, he, he does have a wonderful an interesting filmography past. And and the main reason we're having him on the show is because he's got a film coming out in October for all of you um, Halloween and horror film fans. Ooh. The Devil's Hand. Ooh, that comes out October 10th. But his career started with a, a sci-fi horror flick called Creature. That was um, your first feature film, right? Uh, actually, no. Um, they, it was my third. Oh, uh, but the first two were also horror movies. In uh, fact, uh, uh, probably sixty to seventy percent of the films I've been in have been horror films. Uh, some of them have been horrors to work on, but they were not horror. <laughs> films. Uh, there is a actually, fine difference there. <laughs> there is. Uh, the very first uh, film was called "God Bless Grandma and Grandpa," and um, the second one was called "Haunts." Uh, God Bless Grandma and Grandpa was in 1973, and Haunts was in 1975. Both of those were shot up in Mendocino, California. 
Uh, Grandma and Grandpa was a horror film? Oh, yeah. It sounds like a Christmas movie. Well, it it, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't if you had been there. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it was, um, and, and that's, believe me, that would be a show with me unto itself, the story about God Bless Grandma and Grandpa. It's, Ooh, uh, we may do that. That's, yeah. it's, it's all kinds of strange. Oh, <laughs> okay. Something so, to look forward to down the road. Now, I, I thought I remembered <clears throat> a, uh, you saying that they were going to remake Creature. Is that true? Well, there was another film uh, using the same title. You know, since you can't copyright titles, uh, oh. There are only five titles in the world, and everybody just keeps using the same ones over and over again. <laughs> uh, but there was a, a, a feature in 2011, I believe, also called Creature. But ours was in uh, 1984, 85, um, and the director of that, Bill Malone, uh, a year or so, a couple of years ago, he decided he wanted to uh, remaster the film. So he did a limited run in HD and Blu-ray, okay. which I have tried to get my hands on, but apparently it sold out very quickly and if you want to get a copy of it it's several hundred dollars oh so wow. i'm not going to pay several hundred dollars to see myself you know, <laughs> i can look in the mirror for free but <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny though about about creature i noticed that it is uh free on amazon prime streaming yes but that is not the uh remastered no. version no, no that's the older version cool so if we want to go is since some of us are not in north carolina and aren't seeing your face in person during the show, uh, we can go check you out on Amazon Prime. Uh, they can do that. They can also uh, go to my IMDb, IMDb, IMDb page. Uh, just uh, you know, go to search Jim McKenney. They can find me there. They can go to my website, www.jimmckenney.com, and they can find pictures of me there. And oh. that should be all anybody in the world would ever want to know about me. <laughs> And, and who is your agent? My agent is uh, Joy and Jamie Purvis, uh, mother and daughter team uh, in Atlanta at J. Purvis Talent Agency. Cool. Very cool. So now, besides about 60% horror films, you play a lot of period pieces as well. Uh, that's correct. Um, I happen to have a pretty good British dialect. And so a lot of the work I do, both film and TV, I'm cast uh, as an Englishman. So I played a British admiral. I played a British magistrate, British generals, <laughs> British jewelers, British apple vendors, British wizards. It's uh, a never-ending. We just need you on Downton Abbey, don't we? we had, oh. uh, gosh, you know what? That Wouldn't would that be, be fantastic. Awesome? Yeah. So if you say anything to uh, the the dowager countess <laughs> what would you say oh i love your work oh please <laughs> just touch me once play right here on the chin that's all i need uh you, you'd probably ask her out i'm sure uh yeah listen you know yeah i would be honored to wheel her over, <laughs> over to the buffet table I, I don't think she would be seen with me in the, in the same room. She's like way up here, you know, okay. in the Pantheon. And I'm like way down here parking cars. <laughs> so what's the funniest role you've ever played? I believe that that would, the funniest for me was a theater uh, production of uh, the play Moon Over Buffalo. And although I didn't play a British person in this, I did play an actor who was a lush, uh, <laughs> old and given to um, 
moments of lapses of moral conscience. <laughs> and I don't know why in the world they would have cast me in a role like that. <laughs> yeah, and I am not going to tell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but that it, it was for me probably the most fun in a comedy I have ever had. Um, I I tore the house apart, so to speak, you know, like killed every night. Nice. And I drove my fellow actors crazy because I was hamming it up and, and hogging the laughs. I would stretch and milk a scene for a <laughs> moment for all it was worth. And and a friend of mine who is a director was also in the show, um, Philip Powell. And, and at one point uh, we were on stage and he had to put a shirt on me and I was in my uh, boxers, you know, and I was dancing and I was supposed to be totally wasted and um, I was getting so many laughs, I just would not let him get me dressed. <laughs> and at one point, he leaned over and he said, this show is not about you. <laughs> there are others in the cast. <laughs> and so I finally let him put the shirt on me and we went on. So was it the material that you just, did you just fall into the role? Yeah, that, that was it. I mean, some roles for actors are as soon as they see them, they know I was born to play this role. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I was born to play that character. That's and funny. Uh, just, I it was like rolling over in my sleep. It was that simple. That's and funny. that was just that much fun. I remember, I, I haven't done any acting in my adult life, but I that was my thing in high school was uh, doing the, the musicals and the high school plays. And I remember knowing when I read a character. I'm like, this is my part. Yeah. And you just, it's, it's funny how it works that way. And I always got cast in those parts. And I remember with, um, the musical, my senior year, we did working, mm -hmm. um, and working is, you know, vignettes and, um, everybody was concerned that they got a character that sang and the way that our uh, drama teacher had done it, he had just laid the monologues out on a table and, you know, photocopied and let us just kind of grab them and, and read multiple ones when we wanted to audition or whatnot. And I picked up the one for the role that I eventually got. And I knew nothing about it. And I read it. And I'm like, this is my part. <laughs> and um, my friend of mine was like, well, does it have a song? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> matter. This is who I'm going to play in this. Oh. And it totally was, you know, who I ended up getting cast. And, you know, I actually have that video up on YouTube if anybody wants to be really oh, embarrassed. My goodness, and I'm going there right after <laughs> <laughs> you can see my monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, Regina. But I know what you mean about that. Like some parts, you just knew you were made. You were made right. for. Yeah, right. yeah. You can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah, and then once you're in them, and once you sort of start to embody that, you you learn more about who they are. Like you get that initial blush of, okay, I know I can do this, and then, you know, then you develop it more. And that was always the fun for me was sort of getting into the skin of who it was you were playing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So what was a hard? What was what's the hardest? So in, to, contrary to that, to like the ease of kind of moving into it, what was the most difficult for you? Well, um, one of the hardest things for actors, this is just about everybody I think will tell you this, is the very very small roles, the mm. one line parts, <laughs> the especially the one lines. I mean, five lines in a TV show or a film, you can base an entire history on. But when you have to work with just one line, that can often uh, be a real brain uh, brain freezer. Mm -hmm. And it was for me in Sleepy Hollow, which we um, 
taped in Wilmington last year, my character only had one little line. Of course, he was British. Um, <laughs> one little line, and I just went over that line, over that line. I knew it frontwards and backwards, no matter what. I've got this line. So day comes to shoot. They do everybody else's close-ups, the wide angles, long shots, etc. About a thousand coverages on all these other guys. And then by the time it got to me, I was so exhausted and so fried, I kept stumbling over my one little <laughs> oh, line. Man. And that was really the most difficult. It was a oh. grueling day, a very, very long day for that one little line. Yeah. Well, there's got to be a big difference, too, between um, performing for for movies or TV and performing live. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You know, the gratification is somewhat delayed on film yeah. and TV if there is any at all. Right. Uh, but uh, with theater, it's instant. You, mm-hmm. know, you yeah, can you're tell right by, them, by their coughing, their yawning, or their laughing and applauding. <laughs> you get it. You know, yeah. the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah. You can read. You can read exactly how it's going as opposed to. (laughs) And you don't have, but you also don't have the multiple takes. Like you don't get a second chance to do it. Well, you do if you're doing uh, more than one performance. Well, right. Come back the next night and do it again. You can mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) What role would you, um, do you prefer to play? Is there a particular type of character or, um, yeah, a particular type. Well, the, the type of roles I like to play are those that have a dollar sign attached to them. You know, <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. you, you're actually paying the rent. Uh, those are really good roles uh, to play. But, um, you know, as far as the types of characters, I, I think going back to what uh, Regina was talking about, just being fortunate enough to find the type of character that as soon as you look at it, you mm-hmm. know. And you mm-hmm. you don't really know what those are because you're not there with the writer saying, oh, put that in there for me. I'm right. going yeah. to do that role. It's just, you know, as soon as you get it, you know. Uh, and those are the ones that are uh, a true joy uh, mm-hmm. to to play. And uh, you, you never really know where they're going to come from. But uh, that being said, I am a real lush for romantic comedies, for rom-coms. Mm-hmm. I love rom-coms. Uh, I, I would love to do a romantic comedy. Of course, I, I wouldn't get the lead unless we were doing it in a retirement home. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I would love to do that. I also would like to do a Western. Oh, um, I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. Yeah, it's a secret. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> as I an can, actor, you might want to let that out. <laughs> yeah, I can't ride a horse. Uh, perhaps not well, but I can ride a horse. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, something that we have never talked about before. Um, who are your inspirations as an actor? When I was a young boy, it was Jonathan Winters because oh, he wow. was so yeah. funny. Like, and I I never, nobody ever made me laugh like he did. Hmm. And when I started listening to his albums, and um, I'm going to date myself here as far as age goes, but would see him on uh, the uh, Today Show with... Um, Dave Garraway or The Tonight Show, even before Johnny Carson, I think it was Steve Allen, and then mm-hmm. Johnny Carson would have uh, Jonathan Winters on, um, and Gary Moore show, he would be on that, uh, uh, you know, I just, and Jack Parr, I would just go gaga every time yeah. he was on, and uh, so he was probably my first 
big inspiration. And then when once I decided I really wanted to get into acting, it became Dustin Hoffman. And then uh, jumping off of that, uh, Anthony Hopkins mm. uh, for for really great character actors. Because I yeah. figured that was probably what I would be uh, if I was going to go into uh, acting. I was not going to be the leading man, uh, you know, type. So, But in some ways, that's more fun. Yes, I think so. And yeah. it's like, who, who do you would you rather play? Who's more fun, the good guy or the villain? Right. Well, the villain, you know, is always more fun. Everybody's that, that's fun. always what I said when I when I teach um, Othello to my literature students. I always tell them that Iago would be the most fun to play. Absolutely. I, I mean, he would just be fantastic. He's so, I mean, he's so evil. <laughs> <laughs> Deliciously evil. He is, and he's got all the best lines, and he says all the great stuff. And then you have, you know, Othello, who's like, you know, the hero, but this mopey, like, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, no, there's no fun there. <laughs> did did either of you um, see recently the, the mock uh, PSA by the character actors? There were several well-recognized, I'll say, character actors. And they were doing a PSA um, emphasizing, um, you know, we've been in a lot of stuff, but none of you know our names. Oh, no, yeah. Really? Kids. Oh, my gosh. No. We're not Anthony Hopkins, but right. uh, we're always there for you. Oh, my. Right. I'll, have to, I'll have to find it. Yeah, I'd love to see yeah. that. Yeah, that's hilarious. And <laughs> I, I think I do, I do remember seeing, I remember seeing a link to it, but I didn't have a chance to check it out. Yeah, it was it's pretty good. Yeah, uh, that's so true, and it's so sad because, you know, you'll you'll be watching something and you're like, oh my, I know that actor from something, <laughs> and you never, and I feel bad because I'm bad with names just in general, especially of like actors and and uh, you know TV personalities, etc. Uh, so I'm bad just in general, but I'll be like, I know I've seen this person like a mm -hmm. hundred different things, and I have no idea what their his or her name is. <laughs> Right. Well, and I don't want to segue too quickly ahead, but I mean, Cole Meany is like that, right? Uh, Colin Meany is. Colin Meany, yeah. yeah, see? We, well, we all said, how, do, how does he pronounce his name? <laughs> and I finally said, how do you like to pronounce your, how do you like people to pronounce your name? And he said, Colum. I went, all right. So I just figured, put it in my mind, C-O-L-U-M-N, like oh, a column, you know. Yeah, okay. And so when I see that, it's. That's yeah, right. everybody knows I, I butcher names on here. So <laughs> Regina or Jim One will be able to correct me. So <laughs> our pleasure. Yeah. So then, um, is it possible to talk about your favorite movie? Do you is there is it possible to come up with one? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. I, I you know like most people, I do have one of those uh, uh, lists. You know, if I'm ever lost on a deserted oh, yeah. island and <laughs> I have a have coconut power DVD player, then yeah. <laughs> this is my list of films. Uh, a lot of them are old uh, black and white type films. Uh, my Man Godfrey, Nanochka, The Apartment, just mm -hmm. about anything that was uh, written and directed by Preston Sturgis. He was so brilliant. Uh, but, uh, you know, number one on the list is Jaws. Spielberg's Jaws. Uh, yeah. Um, to me, that is just a perfectly constructed film. You know, it, of course, today with technology the way it is, it would be better made if mm. it could be made and get well, remade. But, I don't know sometimes, you know, you know for because what? special that effects. rubber fish. Oh, my gosh. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The special effects kind of lose something, though. 
you know, I agree with you 100%. This world where everything is CGI, yeah. I, I'm over it. I'm it over just it. looks so perfect. Like, I, I miss kind of that where they had to try really hard to make it look like something. Mm-hmm, exactly. I felt like more effort went into it. Not a lot of effort goes into, you know, acting with a – well, a lot of effort goes into acting with a blue or green screen. But, you know, the the way this the special effects come out, I think it's just kind of empty sometimes. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, it, it, it imposes – an onus, I think, on the audience. Mm-hmm. They really have to suspend disbelief. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're dealing with CGI, especially bad CGI, mm-hmm. it can be a real, uh, uh, a real uh, torment. Yeah, absolutely. You're not thinking of Sharknado, are you? Uh, I was <laughs> kind of thinking of Sharknado, but, um, you know, that is so horribly deliciously bad yes that, it's intended to be yeah it right? is yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's when somebody somebody's film takes itself so seriously yeah. and then you see this horrible cgi it's it's just laughable yeah. but not in a good way exactly and the the other film that that i would have and i have to say this because not many people know about this movie it's been around for decades uh it was my favorite don knotts film the Ghost and Mr. Chicken. I I really cannot tell you why I love that film so much, um, except uh, a lot of the people that were involved with um, working on the Andy Griffith show also worked on this film. Mm. Uh, the writing and the producing area, as well as uh, the in front of the camera, the acting area. And um, it's it's a hilarious little film, and I've I've always wanted to turn it into a a musical for the stage. I think it would be wonderful. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if anybody out there has any uh, ties to Universal Studios, and you can uh, you can make that happen. You know that that would, <laughs> would be a beautiful a beautiful thing. Oh, that's yeah. a great idea. So, what's your favorite guilty pleasure movie then? Uh, oh well, I I don't really have a favorite guilty pleasure movie, but I do have a favorite guilty pleasure TV show. Oh, okay, that's good. Too. Uh, and that would be Nashville. It's, <laughs> so it's just so grimy in in that you know ooh, the underbelly of show business, Nashville's seamier side. It, it, and of course, the people who live there are just—they're over it. They go, well, "Yeah, you know, I don't watch that Babylon. That's not for me." But I, I love it. It's, it's, it's just deliciously bad. Have we talked? Have we talked about our shameless film picks? What? What's yours, Regina? Mine? Oh God, for guilty pleasure. The first one that pops into mind really isn't a guilty pleasure, but it would be um, the Princess Bride. Oh yeah. Oh, that's not what I that yeah, that's not what I consider a guilty Yeah, and I'm, I'm that's yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else that I watched that's really campier. Oh, Twister. Twister. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you mentioned that before. Helen yeah. Hunt. Well, there's yeah. that's not a guilty pleasure. That's a wonderful film. <laughs> Oh, not, <laughs> it was canned when it came out. Was oh. it really? Oh, I see, I, I thought that now we're talking okay. about CGI. There's some good CGI in that film. There yeah. is. You know, yeah. we have cows. When Jesus. <laughs> cows. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. Well, the other one, I guess, would be the, the Flash Gordon. Yeah, now now you're talking okay. camp. Yeah. yeah. Now you're talking camp. I don't know. I don't know if I have real, like, sort of campy uh, ones. I'm thinking of... Um, it's reality TV for you. It is oh. reality TV for me. Oh. It, it is. But it's not like... 
I don't I, I have like specific areas of reality TV that I watch, like Dancing with the Stars. Mm-hmm. But I but I'm a dancer, so I watch Dancing with the Stars because I truly like to watch the dancing. And I have to remind myself sometimes that I'm supposed to be looking at the celebrity and not the pro. Mm-hmm. Like when they're dancing, I'm like, oh, wow, look how great. And I'm like, oh, of course she looks great. She's the pro, right? You're supposed to be watching the guy who looks like he's about to fall down. <laughs> <laughs> That's my 93-year-old mom's favorite show. She says, don't call me when my show is on. <laughs> well, since we're talking about TV, what's good on TV right now, Jim? Don't you watch TV? Oh, you don't. I'm sorry. Oh, you're missing yes. so much. But you'll catch up later next season, right? <laughs> um, TV's gotten really edgy, and I, I like that in a lot of ways. Uh, for horror now, you've got Guillermo del Toro's The Strain, which um, uh, has a, a lot of good scares in it, and I, I love that. Um, there's uh, The Bridge for a gritty kind of cop drama. And uh, that, that's that's a really, really great show. But then going back to Downton Abbey, I love Downton Abbey for just about everything else, for mm-hmm. humor and for uh, soap opera type drama and things like that. Uh, Downton Abbey's, uh, I'm an addict for that uh, that show. Then you've got uh, your network stuff. Person of Interest is good. I, I watch that. The new show Gotham, I, I like yeah. that. That's, that's turning yeah. out to look good. Uh, the Good Wife on CBS Sunday Nights is a oh, staple. I love. You the watch good that, wife. right, Gina? I do. I love The Good right. Wife. But doesn't it drive you crazy? CBS. It's almost like CBS doesn't like that show. Yeah. Because they're always bumping it for football. Yes. You know <clears throat> that drives me crazy. It's like I, the worst placement for like one of the most popular shows on TV right now. I know. Somebody's I got. Yeah. I don't watch anything when it airs, though. I wa- I watch everything pretty much on streaming. So. Yeah. Yeah, but CBS still screws up there, too, yes. yeah. because they've been, th- of the networks, they're the ones that are the most behind mm-hmm. technologically mm-hmm. and user-friendly in the mm-hmm. areas of streaming. Because I, I've been noticing that lately because I'm checking out all the new fall season shows. And on Hulu Plus, and CBS is completely absent. Well, yeah, because NBC owns Hulu Plus. <laughs> So NBC and ABC both have contracts with Hulu Plus, but CBS does not put anything on Hulu because of that. So, well, and I always thought it was because CBS stands for Codger Broadcasting. (laughs) I would believe that. (laughs) Well, before we delay any longer, let's go ahead and um, start talking about the Devil's Hand. Yeah. So why don't you tell us about that movie and the role that you play? Um, The Devil's Hand is a horror movie set in an Amish-like community called New Bethlehem. And the horror within the story is there are six girls born at the sixth hour on the sixth day. And um, the prophecy is that one of those girls, they don't know which one, one of those girls will become sort of like the devil's handmaiden, the devil's hand. So she will uh, rise uh, up out of this uh, group of girls to be his his girl Friday, so to speak. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, she's, she's going to be the, uh, the devil incarnate. And so the, the deal is we've got to find out who this one girl who's going to be the devil's hand may be and stop her before she gets all her power. 
Mm. And so that's that's the crux of that. And I play uh, Elder Stone, who is one of the church leaders, the community leaders. He is uh, a weak and troubled kind of uh, guy. He's kind of caught between the uh, the strictness of the doctrines and then the um, deadly consequences that come as a result of their fail their failures uh, to stop this evil. And uh, Colum Meany is my boss. He's the head elder. I'm his second in command. So uh, on the set, I was kind of following him around everywhere. I think he, he probably was eventually was going, who is this guy? And why is he always glomming on to me? Like <laughs> well, the other actors in the film, uh, uh, Jennifer Carpenter mm-hmm. and uh, Rufus Sewell. Yes. Rufus oh, Hill. I said that right. Yes, you did. Um, are also in the <clears throat> film. Um, I, we, you and I often refer to, or maybe it's our other friends, we refer to uh, Jennifer Carpenter as Michael C. Hall's sister wife. <laughs> <laughs> because she was, in essence. She was. Yeah. She yeah. used to be his wife. Right. And, uh, of course, she played uh, Dexter's sister uh, on Dexter. Oh, that's why. I did. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. I haven't watched Dexter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got they, you. they had some good seasons. Uh, yeah. I think toward the end I got uh, distracted, but uh, yeah, they uh, they had some good seasons. And uh, Jennifer was, I mean, you know, open Intense. open her mouth and sailor comes out. That's, <laughs> that's anybody swear as much. And we asked her about that, and she said, "Oh yeah, that's me. That's just oh. me." Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She said, "I'm I'm just that way." So. <laughs> so you got to meet uh, Jennifer Carpenter I and did. Rufus Sewell. I did. I did. Uh, and uh, Jennifer was very, very sweet. Uh, in fact, I was gaga when I first met her. I was like a, a kid who's starstruck, you know, mm-hmm, and I yeah. just, I wanted to touch the him, you know, and I was so afraid that I might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. And she said, oh, get over it. You know, I'm just a person, just right. like everybody else. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and she That's actually. Nice when they're like that. <laughs> you know, because. Uh, You've often heard how some of them can be so full of themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, usually I think it's the smaller actors that are that way because their hmm. ego constantly needs to be fulfilled. Reassured. Yes. Yeah. But someone like her, uh, she doesn't need that. She's, you know, I think she's trying to go the other way. She wants uh, she wants to be left to uh, shop in the, uh, you know, frozen foods and the cold cut mm-hmm. section just like everybody else and you know I, i'm just she puts her pants on one leg at a time like everybody else i guess mm, that's cool that's really nice so so i'm interested so you're in north carolina i am but this is a hollywood film it is so did you go to la for this uh no they okay. came to us they, oh <clears throat> excuse me they came to uh, wilmington north carolina and uh shot there they had a they had a deal with the studios in wilmington mm-hmm. and um that was uh they put their uh production office on the studio lot screen gyms lot and then they looked around for a location that we could use and they found this church camp that was the perfect embodiment of New Bethlehem, the community mm-hmm. uh, that uh, was our home, the little village for this film. And so uh, that just answered all their prayers. They had all the outbuildings, they had all the space for parking. 
uh, and they could put um, all the trailers that they needed for the stars and the actors and for wardrobe and makeup and props and everything else. They had plenty of space for that. And they had these beautiful buildings that looked like they were carved out of 19th century America. Mm. And, uh, the, you know, it would have cost them an arm and a leg to build that. Yeah. So they yeah. didn't have to. They they got they, it. In yeah. the and more authentic and, and you know, not CGI'd. <laughs> not CGI'd at all. <laughs> so do you have a lot of – it's just, it's just interesting because I always associate, um, you know, actors with New York and L.A. just because that's what everybody's always talking about. I know – you know, I live uh, outside Portland and there's actually, you know, a lot of sort of TV and some movies that are filmed here, too. So what's it like sort of doing being more of a regional actor rather than in sort of like one of the hubs? Well, I, I will say this. Speaking of Portland, The Grim is also one of my favorite yes. shows. Yes. I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm kind of envious because if I was out there, I would be knocking on the doors trying to get on that show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I had friends who were on Leverage when it was. Uh, oh, really? Great. Yeah. Because they could, you could, they had an open call for people a lot of the time to come. So, yeah, I had some friends who did that. Well, and, and going back to your question, there are a lot of actors who have left California and come east. Mm. Uh, they a lot of them moved to Wilmington, North Carolina, years ago when uh, North Carolina was third in the country for film starts and production. Uh, and a lot of those uh, folks have drifted south into Atlanta. And a lot of people I talk to in LA are saying to me, Jim, you know, I'm really thinking strongly about relocating to Atlanta. Uh, we seem to be working more than a lot of the folks I know out west. Oh, interesting. Interesting. And, uh, unless they're really high up on right. that food chain yeah. for acting, um, you know, a lot of times they're not working as much as we are. Oh, interesting. Interesting to kind of think about it. Like, I, I guess it would make sense that, like, uh, it's, whenever I watch Star Trek, any of the Star Treks, I'm like, oh, look, they're in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Right, because <laughs> they're all yeah. like, shooting with the same shrubbery background, and, like that. <laughs> yeah. and I'm from California, so I'm like, oh look, it's the oh. natural, you know, foliage right. of California. <laughs> There's Griffith Park. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, they're shooting here again. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would imagine that that locations would get kind of tapped out, or, or have kind of gotten to that that saturation sense where people look and they're like, oh yeah. And, you know, I, I think part of that was also happening with Florida. Uh, there was uh -huh. a time when, when you before Universal put its um, uh, theme park in Florida, I remember talking when I was living in Hollywood, I remember talking to a couple of producers and they were saying, Hollywood's going to shut down. We're all moving to Florida. <laughs> and, you know, that's, um, I said, wow, man, I just better get my little fanny on out to Miami right now. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do that. Yeah. I am. <laughs> uh, but in fact, Atlanta, uh, Pinewood Studios, Pinewood out of London, um, uh, I think they're out of London, built a huge complex just outside of Atlanta. And uh, that that's going to be a big hub for the Southeast for production. Interesting. Um, yeah. I'm going to have to start paying attention and seeing, you know, filmed in Atlanta and North Carolina and some of the right. movies. You can always tell if it's filmed uh, in Georgia because they've got the little Georgia peach at the very end. At the very end, yeah. You know, they're yeah. really sharp in that state about uh, letting everybody know uh, where it came from, mm -hmm. you know, its origins, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, 
Georgia's real Georgia is one place that knows how to handle the film business. You know, they're doing it very sharply and very smartly. Hmm. And there are, are huge film festivals here in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. What is what's the name of the one we've got right here? River uh, River Run. Run. River Run. Yeah, that's a big it's festival. It's getting bigger and bigger every year. Yeah, you know. Um, they're saying that for at a time they were saying it was going to take the place of Sundance. Mm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So the Devil's Hand uh, will be out October tenth. Um, um, a couple of other last minute questions before you go, sort of off topic. Uh, number one, I really. Um, on the show, I have finally one degree removed from someone who has their uh, is on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> one degree That's of separation. <laughs> I I am now one degree removed. I know someone who has an IMDb page. Oh, who is that? You. Oh. oh. <laughs> but also, the geek cred here is that you shot a film with uh, John. Reese. Reese. Reese Davies. Right. Thank you. I did. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love him so much. He's a sweetheart. He's yeah. a, the name of that film is To Have and to Hold. And um, it uh, takes place during the American frontier times when, uh, and I don't mean frontier is out West. I mean, frontier when the frontier was Virginia, you know, because <laughs> uh, we, we actually shot that film on Pocahontas's family land. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was deeded oh. a huge amount of land in Virginia. And uh, her uh, heirs still own that property. And we shot there uh, hmm. on her land, on her family cool. land. And uh, in fact, I believe at some point in the story, Pocahontas makes a cameo appearance. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, John Reese davies was a, a very sweet guy. And of course, I play... A British uh, character in that, uh, the uh, uh, admiral of the British fleet, the Royal Fleet, and um, <clears throat> I remember John Reese uh, Davies was saying to me once, "You know, I was speaking to Tony, and uh, he also was offered the role you're playing, but he couldn't do it. So now, Jim." You can tell everyone that you beat out Anthony Hopkins for a rule. <laughs> of course, I, I I don't really do that because as as far as I know, they probably offered the role to Tom Arnold too. So <laughs> that was the last guy they called. And did you, um, Christopher Judge was in that. Did you meet him? Yes. Okay. No. That's uh, other geek. I, I had a scene with uh, with Chris Judge. And, um, of course, even if, even though I didn't really have a scene with John Reese Davies, we would all go to the bar after a day's shoot to uh -huh. unwind and they'd be out, uh, having cocktails and smoking cigars and, you know, uh, the gab festing and everything, you know, to kind of burn off that, uh, excess steam and energy that'd be mm -hmm. built up during the course of a shoot day. Nice. So. Well, we um, to close out, uh, we recently did an episode, uh, a tribute to Robin Williams, uh, back in episode 126. And after we recorded the episode, I was talking to you, Jim, about it mm -hmm. and did not realize that um, I am now also one degree removed from Robin Williams. Well, probably a lot more now that he's up there in heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there might be a few degrees added in. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but tell me the story. Tell the story to our listeners that you told me about about Robin Williams. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I, you know, obviously Jonathan Winters was a, a huge uh, inspiration to me as a kid. I thought that I would be a funny man or a comedian uh, when I grew up. Uh, and so when I went to Los Angeles, one of the things I did was I hooked up with these stand-up comics. And for some reason, uh, they gravitated around me. I don't have any reason, any idea why, except for the fact that I was a good straight man. I wasn't really all that good as a funny man, but I was a good straight man. And if they got me to laugh, they knew it was funny because I wouldn't laugh just because somebody showed up and had something cute. You know, you had to really, really uh, make the grade and prove your mettle in order to get me to crack a smile and laugh. And so everybody knew this. And I was a, I was a, an in-demand audience. Mm -hmm. But in the uh, old days when I wanted to be a funny man, I went to Harvey Limbeck. I uh, had an improv class in Beverly Hills. And for those of you who are my age or close to it, you'll know who Harvey Lembeck was. He was on the Phil Silvers show. He was in the beach movies of the 60s, Eric Von Zipper, the leather-clad biker guy who always snapped his fingers mm -hmm. and everybody did his bidding. Um, a little rat-faced Jewish guy, pudgy uh uh, very, very funny. And he had this improv class and a lot of uh, the Hollywood people were attending his class. And one day, one Saturday morning, I was in the class and he said, uh, we've got a kid here who's worked with us for a while. He's back. He's been gone. He's going to uh, get up and, and do some improv with you all today, if you don't mind. And everybody who knew uh, this guy was very excited. I, I'd never seen him before. I didn't know who the heck he was. But uh, this kid gets on stage wearing, you know, these suspenders and this loud shirt and these pants and um, starts uh, doing improv. And I swear, Regina and Rhonda, three seconds after this guy opened his mouth, I knew I was in the presence of godlike greatness. Mm -hmm. That I was never going to be a funny man. I mean, I, if you can't be the best at something, I was figuring in those days, why even bother? Of course, mm -hmm. now I've embraced mediocrity, but <laughs> since, at that point, you know, I figured why, why even bother? This man, Robin Williams, was the funniest human being I think that has ever lived, and uh, he amazed me. I. I think I was so in awe that I didn't even really laugh. I, I don't even think I breathed. I didn't think I took a breath for an hour and a half. <laughs> and then uh, when break time came, uh, I kind of followed him out uh, on the lawn and four or five of us, uh, some of his friends and my friends, uh, stood around and shared a joint uh, on the lawn and uh, got high. And he told us all about this show that he's just started taping uh, for the fall season called Mark and Mindy. And uh, of course, then later in life, years later, uh, during the mid eighties, I was working at the comedy store on Sunset Strip and he would come in all the time. And so I really got to see a lot of him at that time. And he and Richard Pryor would show up, <clears throat> pardon me, they would show up around midnight, cranked, you know, just mm -hmm. loaded and speeding beyond belief, ready to do an entire show. And I was ready to go home and go to bed. You know, <laughs> at that point in my 
my life. I was going, oh, my gosh, if these guys show up one more time, I'm just going to have a fit. But just about every Friday and Saturday night at midnight, they would show up. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I cherish the fact that, uh, that I got to see that and be a part of that. That's awesome. And, and of course, his loss was, was gravely felt by the entire world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we really lost uh, someone special when he went. Thanks. Yeah, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. That was fantastic. Well, we are um, beyond thrilled. Of course, I I consider Jim a treasure and a gem. And (laughs) glad to have him as a friend. Yeah, he always laughs. (laughs) Well, I'm just delighted that somebody thought being on the show deserved to be on a bucket list. (laughs) And I am so honored. Thank you so much. We'll have you back again, I promise. So, So you can say you kicked the bucket twice. Ah, wonderful. How many people get to say that? Not many. (laughs) I'm on my way, Robin. Uh, We'll definitely share the social media contacts and everything for Jim. Uh, If anybody out there is uh, looking for a very talented British, stern, (laughs) pious actor. (laughs) And, Um, And don't forget, I've also played an exorcist. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Several times. Um, but uh, go out and uh, see The Devil's Hand coming out October 10th. Uh, let's make it the next cult hit and uh, hope that uh, we can see The Devil's Hand tube made. <laughs> yes, that would be great, but uh, I, I don't think I'll be able to come back, and you'll know why when oh, when you see damn. The Devil's Hand. Uh, Thanks, so. Jim. It would have to be a prequel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. It was wonderful to be here. <laughs> This is our wrap segment where we talk about what we've been watching, reading, and playing for the past week. And Regina, what have you been reading? I am still reading um, the second to last night House of Night book revealed um, because the the last, the absolute last book is coming out uh, later this month, later in October. Uh, so I'm, I'm prepping, I'm, I'm trying to remember sort of what happened. One of the things I love about the house of night is how easy it is to kind of pick them up and read them. Um, but if I don't read them more than once, I don't often remember everything that happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I run through it so quickly and I only read this one once. I, I started to read it a second time immediately after, but it, it's a very dark and confusing, uh, novel. Like, and I'm, I'm assuming that it's going to be clearer when we see what the, you know, culmination of the story is. Um, okay. But I also think it's kind of that. Have you seen the movie Insomnia? Yes. And I hated that movie when I first saw it. And I realized later because I watched it again just because it kind of it was one of those like bugged me in the back of my head. Like, why did that bother mm-hmm. me so much movies? And I realized that it gave you that sense of being of having insomnia. Yeah. Like the movie itself, like created that sensation, which I think is fantastic. Once I kind of understood that, I'm like, okay, well, no wonder I hated it. And I'm wondering if Revealed is is in that same camp where the main character is losing it, essentially. That's all I'll say because it's, you know, reasonably new in terms of books. And I don't want to give too much away because I know I talk a lot about The House of Night and I want people to enjoy it. But there's a lot of, of cray cray going on in this one. Um, and so I think that I, I, and in my, my reflections and reading it a second time, I'm like, I think that that might be why I dislike this so much. 
Interesting. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how that progresses. So, so you've pre-ordered the last one. I have. Yes. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I remember when I pre-ordered the uh, the Deathly Hollows. Oh yeah. And yep. um, I sat at home all day waiting for it to show up. <laughs> And waiting for UPS to bring it. And it was getting close to five o'clock and I'd been IMing somebody and I was just like, oh, well, I guess it's just not going to come. And I went out to the mailbox and it had been in the mailbox the whole time. Oh God. Oh, I, w- I would have, that hurts yeah. my heart to hear you say that. Yeah. I bought that at Costco. I remember being at Costco the, <laughs> the, the moment it opened the day it came out because I figured that was someplace people weren't going to be lining up for Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, well, I'm like you. I'm I'm still reading in the woods, and I think the last time I mentioned that, yeah. I wasn't too sure about it. Mm-hmm. That it was it was very much in this guy's head, and and it is, and it's it it is getting better, and I'm understanding a little bit more about why mm-hmm. we're in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a murder mystery, and I started reading it for the murder mystery, but that's really not all that's going on. Oh. And so, um, it's, it's, it's getting to be more and more important about, um, uh, because it's in first person, how the lead character is interpreting everything and how he's, he's processing everything and assimilating it. Um, but quickly on its heels, like you said, um, without too much time in between, I'm going to read the second book in uh tim weaver's series um the dead tracks oh cool so it's it's sitting in the ready (laughs) it's ready to go (laughs) yeah what about you there's so much new um new on tv to be watching but um if you're like me you probably still stream some old stuff what are you watching right now yeah i haven't i haven't watched a single well no that's not true i caught up on um the big bang theory that's all I've okay. that's all I've caught up on for new for new shows. And I have to say I'm in the camp of I love Penny's hair. Uh, oh, oh. Have you seen? Yeah, I saw her hair. I was actually um with my family at the time and my brother hates it. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, he's he's he likes long blonde hair. Yeah, so. I love I love short hair on women. I think it looks really sassy and it's really cute and I think it's really a nice sort of symbol of her moving in a different direction I do too. this season. I do too. Yeah. So. I think it's wonderful. She's grown up, yep. she's serious, she's I hope, you know, that means the show's taking her seriously. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing what this arc brings for her. So um so yeah, so I'm I that's the only show I've caught up on that's new. Um I'm watching my guilty pleasure I mentioned earlier in the show, uh Dancing with the Stars. Um mm-hmm. and Tommy Chong is on Dancing with the Stars. And he's pretty good. <laughs> well, I don't know how to interpret that. <laughs> laughing hysterically. It's it's just so funny because he's like this. Um, oh well, one of the judges said something about you know I was expecting bad grandpa and we got cool grandpa. Um, <laughs> and he apparently had some training in salsa dancing, and so he he actually kind of has you know an idea of what he's doing. And he said in his, you know, in his opening introduction to the show, you know, why are you here? And he said, well, Cheech, you know, said I'd never get on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And then Cheech was in his first, uh, his first dance as well. Um, So it's just, it's, he's really, uh, he's definitely a people's favorite um, in terms of uh, the competition, but uh, the best dancer so far, I think is um, Alfonso, Oh, God. I can't remember his last name. He was on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, the best friend. 
Oh, yeah. He yeah. is great. Like, great. Oh, wonderful. Very talented, fantastic dancer and, you know, enjoyable to watch. So he's been he's been good. So, so yeah. So it's my guilty pleasure. It's about all the time I have for... <laughs> I can watch it while I'm doing other things. That's how come yeah. it gets watched and things that I have to actually pay attention to don't. <laughs> so what have you been watching? Um, well, I've only picked up on one new show so far. Um, super busy week for some reason in the fall. But um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine started back up Mm. and I caught it, but um, I was most excited when I saw inside of my Amazon queue that season seven of True Blood was available. Ah, yes. Been waiting, waiting, waiting. So I immediately went out, bought the whole season and um, started it immediately. Um, And it is so far, I mean, I avoided all of the reviews and recaps mm-hmm. that... Oh, um, I hope I didn't give too much away. Um, oh, no, I don't think so. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, skipped all that on the Mary Sue and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that it it is definitely True Blood. There's no mistaking that you're watching True Blood. But I, it's like from another planet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like... Where are they and what are they doing and why is this happening? So which is season seven's the last one, right? The most recent yeah. one? Okay. Yeah. With the, the Hep V yes. storyline. Okay. Yeah. I had to like, I'm bad with numbers. So yeah. The Reapers, I think is what yes. they're calling yeah. them or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yes. I'm just, I, I mean, it started and I'm like, why? why? Who is attacking them and right. what is happening? Yeah, it is. It is very off-putting that that first that season mm. opening and and the first few episodes of the season are just like yeah, almost eye-crossing and like am I am I still watching True Blood? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you you can tell as soon as um and Pink Paquin pa- and a Paquin. Paquin, thank you. Yes. Uh, no speak English. Um, it, it, how, how, how short amount of time it takes her to take her clothes off. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what Jim always says. It's like, <laughs> she, Anne loves taking her clothes off. <laughs> well, it's kind of a show like that. Like I yes, think when I, is. when I was first watching it, I was watching the second <gasps> season on DVD and I said, really, instead of being called true blood, it should have been called tits and blood. Yes, because that's really what the whole show's about. <laughs> although this, although this season so far, it seems to me like they're trying to get uh, the guy playing Jason Stackhouse to get undressed as often as yes. possible. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they could have had Alice Eve naked more often. I have to say. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that. That was interesting. Yeah. That, that it's like well, because I, I think it's it's become kind of a joke that he like you know, like in his career because like in um. He was in uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting, and he ran, uh-huh. like, his first sh- scene he's in. He's, you know, shirtless. Yeah. And so it's become kind of a joke that he's, like, always the, like, half-naked guy. And so I yeah. wonder if he's like, I don't want to be the half-naked guy anymore. <laughs> oh, sorry. We were distracted by naked people. Yes. <laughs> so what are you playing? <laughs> I am still playing the same. Um, I'm still playing uh, World of Warcraft. Um Rolled my monk, I think I mentioned last time, and I finally got a chance to play with Mark and Ryan and some of our other friends um, over this last weekend uh, and had a blast doing that. We were playing on the Timeless Isles, which is kind of like a, it's almost like a raid training area where it's really high level Uh bad guys that you're fighting. 
Uh, so it was really good training for me for tanking essentially. Cause that's, you know, in this, it's just, it's a low, you know, risk area. So you're not, mm-hmm. you know, raiding with 25 people and you're the tank that's going to kill everybody, but you're just your friends who are going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we did that. And I've been, um, also on my mobile, on my phone, I've been playing Spellfall. So, um, those are sort of my go-to games right now. So what about you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm mostly playing Spellfall. Yeah, and and so last time we talked about Spellfall, you said it was a little easy. Has it gotten more challenging? Yeah, it has. Okay, I think that's a reason why um, I I picked up on a little bit more of the customization mm-hmm. and how that was working, and about how the battles were working. The battles started getting tougher, and um, realized I had a little bit more to um a little more strategy that i can apply to win right and so that helped i mean it it, it helped me feel like more like i was a part of the game right but i have to tell you i am i'm seriously thinking about digging out my diablo 2 discs (laughs) and installing them on my computer yeah it was funny because i was thinking about it and i you know our conversation when i was playing it the other day and uh I was stuck at a point where I couldn't um, I couldn't finish a boss at the end of one of the maps I was on, um, so I had to I had to level before I could finish that that map, and I was actually thinking about you and Diablo mm-hmm. two, yeah, with the weapons and the spreadsheets. Spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, I actually had an interview today, and uh, uh, I actually told the guy interviewing me that. Um, I solved most of my problems with spreadsheets. <laughs> There's something to be said for that organization. Yeah, <laughs> well, for us, at least anyway, uh, we're enjoying the new TV season <clears throat> and uh, we're, we're busy with the fall, starting the fall, starting of schools, ending of vacations. Um, I'm hoping to find uh, more gaming time, especially I miss my games when uh, we move more into the holidays. So be sure and let us know what you guys are up to. Any of you that are playing Destiny, let us know how it's going. Um, Really, really wish I could uh, get hold of that game. And uh, let us know what you're reading and watching. What do you like about the new fall season? We'd love to hear from you. You've been listening to Game on Girl. You can find all our social media connections on our website, GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can find me on Twitter at RowRoom, that's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M, or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. <laughs> and I'm your host, Regina <laughs> McMenemy. <laughs> you can also email me at Regina at GameOnGirl.com. <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my Twitter is DocLiz with two Zs. Uh, you can also find me on Steam, although I haven't been on Steam much since I'm playing WoW. Um, I don't know my gamer tag for WoW. You can also find me there if you'd like to chat while I'm in game for WoW. Uh, huge thanks to Jim McKenney for joining us on the show today. Uh, delightful conversation. Uh, it was kind of fun for me to to rem- reminisce a little bit about mm-hmm. my days as an actress. <laughs> yeah, there's some part of me that would love to go back to do something, even if it was just like a community theater production. I'd love to do something like that again. So that might be on my bucket list. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what- I, I I reminisced about my uh, my acting days too. I was recently home with 
with my mom and my family, and she pulled out the first play I was ever in. I played Mrs. Claus in kindergarten. Oh, oh, how cute. How cute. Yeah, well, and if anybody wants to see me in working, it is actually on my YouTube. I can put a link up for the show if people are really... (laughs) Oh, yes, please. Jim's going to bug me about it if you don't. Yeah, I have the... I have my bad haircut. (laughs) You can't really see it in there, but yeah. (laughs) So, nine days, Rhonda, nine I'm so excited. Days. I know. I was talking to Isabella about it just the other day, and I'm like, oh, my God, guess what? So, yes, that's coming up. Skeet Girl Con, Seattle. Uh, we're going to be doing a live show of some sort. It's going to be very impromptu. Yep. So follow our Twitter feeds because we'll be like, hey, come see us. So we're recording here now. Uh, so yes. keep an eye out for that because you know you want to be part of the show. Yeah. If you're a fan, uh, be sure and uh, let us know on Twitter yep. uh, if you're there. So um, just as far as our coming up stuff, again, uh, we just I want to mention uh, The Devil's Hand. All of you um, horror fans, go out there and check out. You know you're going to enjoy Jennifer Carpenter and uh, Rufus Sewell, and it'll be a great introduction. Also with uh, Colum Reedy, uh, Meany. Colum Meany. Yes. I'm all out. It's time to start drinking. (laughs) But what I'm most excited about is American Horror Story. Yes. That looks great. I don't watch it because I don't watch horror. So Um, so excited. From what I've seen, it does look fantastic. Well, even if, if the show was horrible, I look forward to their marketing better than anything. Mm, They have the most fantastic designers. Yeah, they do. Yep. And I know some people say, oh, it looks like it doesn't have anything to do with the show. What does it mean? What does it mean? But I think that they have proven that they get the true theme, the true mood of that show, and they're just gorgeous. They're brilliant. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Cool. Uh, Yeah. Well, we've got lots of cool stuff coming up. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you're going to be at Geek Girl Con, make sure to let us know. Game on Girl is available on iTunes and Stitcher Streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Broom at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, get your movie on and go out and see The Devil's Hand and get your game on. <laughs> <laughs>